Hey, Pepin. Yo, 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 yo. You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about the internet space. The internet space? Like the dark web, the intraweb, the intranet that you can't see because it's on the dark web. Like the one that you put in your eyes and then you're in the internet? Oh, this is like some Johnny Quest. No, that's not Johnny Quest. Was it Tron? Tron? We're talking about Tron? Like Johnny Mnemonic? Who? Is, 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 that the, is that the one who like went into the web and then he got lost and then he became the web? Nathan, we need to talk. Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. I am here once again with my best friend, Nathan Pepin. How's it going today, Pepin? Yo, yo, I am doing well. How about you, yourself, Meter? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for asking. I'm uh, I'm excited today to talk about something that has been a long time coming. Uh, people have thought about this for many, many, many years, and it's slowly becoming a reality uh, to the point that everyday consumers may be able to to really sink their eyes into it. Virtual reality. Yeah, virtual reality. It's such a interesting topic. It was kind of seen as sci-fi for a while, but like everyone who thinks seriously about it can't deny it's an inevitability once we get the, say, technology. Uh, but then again, that maybe I'm kind of jumping the gun. Do you think it's an inevitability? Do you think we're going to achieve the point where... It's going to be so real or so immersive that people will mistake it for reality or see it as reality. Um, to mistake it for reality. Uh, I mean, yes, to a degree. I guess it depends what, what you mean by that. If you're talking like Plato's cave style, put it on their head and they've lived their whole life in virtual reality, then I don't see why they wouldn't think that's reality because that's all they know. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about, I put on a headset and all of a sudden I think I'm not wearing a headset, that doesn't really make sense. Well, you kind of see that a little bit, though. Like, uh, for instance, there's these videos of people who have, like, these Oculus Rifts or other products in their head. And they're playing some sort of game. Like, uh, one instance was someone's playing this, like, uh, this climbing game. And they got to the very top of a thing. And then they're looking over it. And then they're, like, all, like, nervous. And then they jumped off, but they literally jumped off it. Like there, obviously in some kind of way, they knew they're in the game, but they also kind of forgot about it because they tried to jump and they ended up hitting their head off the TV. But, you know, like I, yeah. I already think that's happening a little bit, but whether it's a full mistaking or kind of getting immersed in reality or what exactly, I'm not sure. I think immersion and like actually thinking something is reality is very, very different. Um because th even in that state, like I would argue, they know that's not reality, but they're allowing themselves to suspend their disbelief the same way that if you're watching a video and something like jumps out at the screen, you'll jump uh, or you'll feel scared after watching a scary movie. You know it's not reality, but you're suspending your disbelief and allowing it to to affect your actual like physical being in this reality. I don't think that I think people can still separate the difference for the most part. People can still separate the difference between what is and isn't um, this reality versus a virtual reality. 
Hmm. See, I, I kind of question that a little bit. Also, in the chat, Travis Asley says meter is awesome. Uh, I'm surprised they're not talking about Pepin 2s, but yeah, meter is awesome. Uh, hey, Travis. I See, I, I, I'm kind of skeptical on that because I think if you hit a level of immersion with something, that that kind of is your reality. Like, I, I think sometimes people lose the context. Now, I myself have a hard time losing the context. I'm always a little bit like anxious in the back of my head and kind of monitoring. And if I ever get too far into something, like I kind of like lose myself. But I, I remember back in the day when I played some games and I'd get so into the games that like everything else would disappear. And it's like my life was that game. Like, like there wasn't anything outside of it. I was the character playing the game in there. Like, like not in some sort of ultimate sense. Like I, I could step back from it, but more in a sense of at least in that moment, that, that's all that was there for me. To me, the line would cross when, so you're, you're in that moment, right? Mm. And you're that your life is that game. And then that game ends and you st sit back in your chair and you turn away from the computer screen and you're in this reality, right? Mm -hmm. So now you can think about that reality and you're like, I know that reality exists, but it's not like this real reality. Mm -hmm. If you can put on the headset or be in that game and think about the real world and know the real world exists, but that it's not reality, that's the point when you've crossed over into a different reality being real. Mm -hmm. When you know that there's an alternate reality, but it's not the real reality. Hmm. Right. Okay. Because I, I think I'm going off like an experiential kind of definition mm -hmm. here, and you're going more off like a cognitive definition. Mm -hmm. So... so in this instance, if someone was, let's say, disc off the goggles, whatever, and they got really confused and like they didn't see it as like one reality was containing the other, it's like this reality is an alternate reality in itself. That would be an example of real reality confusion or reality disambiguant. Mm -hmm. Well, like let's say you, you put an Oculus Rift on a baby and they live their whole life with the Oculus Rift and it has an expansion thing. So as the baby grows, it, it grows correctly around its head mm. it's never uncomfortable it lives its whole life in virtual reality let's say uh it lives a part of its life 30 years and at 30 years old they take the the headset off which reality are they going to think is the real reality versus the fake reality mm -hmm. the one they've lived 30 years in is going to be the real reality to them and then they'll have to try and figure out like what what the difference there is um that's kind of the the angle i'm coming from yes Right. I would argue that the, the the mechanism there is kind of you're building up the external reality in your head through like a mental model. So essentially you're simulating how the world you are in actually is. It's like a simulation and that gets internalized over a number of years. And if you were to have enough exposure to say a video game or some sort of other virtual reality stimulus, that you could get to the point where that model inside your head is kind of the same as the, the reality model. Like maybe it's contained within it, but I think there could be like a like a learning process. Whereas if you happen to be born in this reality here, like the real universe, that you can still attribute more realities to that. And I think that's kind of what we do, but this more, it's not so defined, like not so concrete. Like I think we do live in these different realities in different little universes, but they're all kind of ill-defined and crossing over to each other. Whereas like with a real virtual reality sort of system, there's a hard line there. 
or I'm not sure if I'm being very, very descriptive here, but is I, the, are, are you saying that every person lives in their own reality because of their perception? Kind of. Well, I'm saying that if, if I'm saying that reality or I'm saying that your experiences get simulated into your brain, it's kind of like a internal simulation and each person has these different internal simulations based off what they're experiencing. And I wouldn't say that they're all, it's one cohesive kind of thing. I'd say it's like these different programs that run at different times that are simulating these different aspects. Like if you're on Reddit posting something, if you're on the podcast, if you're doing all these different things, these are different prediction mechanisms for simulating what's happening. And I'd say there's all kind of like different realities. And if you're in virtual reality, that's just like another simulation. But the question is like how how encompassing is it? And is there a meta level to it? I'm, I'm getting way too crazy here. Well, I, I think that that's kind of a perversion of the whole idea of reality. I think of it more like a, a video game mm-hmm. where you have a massive multiplayer game where everybody's on the same server. And, you know, I may see something a little bit different than somebody else because the way that it comes into my computer is a little bit different and the way it's displayed on my screen is a little bit different than somebody else. But realistically, there is an overarching server that houses all of the information and we're all interacting with that server. The server being reality, we're all interacting with this tangible thing of the universe that is in in and of itself, whether we exist or not, here. And then we are interacting with that and to your point where we're creating our own version of it in our heads based off of the input that we're getting. But that I don't think that that makes it its own reality. I think that just makes it our interpretation of a reality. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It, it's more interpretation of the sense data coming in because we never experience reality as a whole. We're only like, let's say with the light, like we experience light that hits our eyes. But if light never hits our eyes, we can never incorporate that into our sense of reality. So mm. it's just kind of what's coming in, and we take that and make something out of it. It's our perception of that thing. And mm. it just so happens that we tend to have similar experiences, similar inputs that we can generate something which is about the same for all of us. You know, some there'll be little differences here. Like, for instance, if someone's colorblind, they're not going to be able to perceive certain colors, right? And their reality would be different than yours. But the same underlying, say, shared space of physics or atoms or what do you want to say that that's shared between all parties mm. now virtual reality is really cool i i know that this is something that like sci-fi stuff predicted would would happen forever ago um and we just continue to drive to it um i know nintendo tried to do the virtual boy back in the day mm. um which was awful um, for anyone who doesn't know, seriously, look up that bad boy. I know Angry Video Game Nerd does a very thorough, um, you know, examination of every single game on the platform, and it's just really bad and painful. Um, but it's something that everybody realizes is a thing that, at very least in the entertainment world in video games, is going to continue to to be pervasive. And it's going to get better and better and better as graphics get better and processes and um, and computing technology. But uh, is there going to be a point that it crosses the line anywhere? That it, it becomes uh, something that's like too... Is there too far with virtual reality? Uh, I 
think so. Uh, can you come up with an example? I'm trying to like. No, I can't. Um, I know there's an anime called Sword Art Online mm-hmm. where somebody's like in a coma or something. Like you pay money to. And I may be getting this, the plot completely wrong, but if I am, then I like my plot too and make something of it. But um, like they, you pay money, uh, they strap you to a bed with all your vitals so that they work without your brain having to think about your actual body. They jack you into the the matrix, if you will. They jack you into a video game and you play that video game um, for literally years and years and years. You're playing a video game as if it's real life to the point that you forget about the overarching world that you came from and this becomes the new world mm. um which is super interesting and i can take that so many different places um but i i do want to get to your question that you posed will virtual reality be better um is there a point when virtual reality and, and i'm interested in what your interpretation of that question is or what your intention is what do you mean by better better than our current reality mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. In what way? So there's a lot of things that can be, say, improved or taken care of with the current reality. Because current reality has a lot of issues, uh, which aren't bad. This is kind of incumbent on the nature of things, right? So this is something I've thought about. And maybe this is a bit, uh, I'd say, lower on the list of concerns. But if you look around my room, my room's not like terribly clean it's not like dirty but it's got a lot of clutter and everything to it and the clutter is kind of a problem having things and things being unorganized and a whole bunch of little things there or if i'm living in a actually this room's not too huge but let's say the room's like super small there's a lot of like say limitations to my experience now if i have a virtual reality sort of environment i can put some head you know some goggles on uh, all of a sudden all this kind of crap around me that you know, I have that's useful, I can actually have it in some sort of virtual world, and not just that, but have it be organized. I don't have to worry about, say, cleaning it, organizing it. I mean, maybe it's some organization involved, but it's kind of perfect and pristine and kind of in its own place. And then if you kind of take the space aspect, the space I'm in can be whatever space I need, right? I could be like in a meadow, I can be wherever I want to be that will kind of give me the greatest sort of satisfaction. I don't have to be stuck in this, say, this uh, small little room where you know people who are being noisy over there i can be in some sort of virtual world where essentially the state where i'm going to be most happy or most kind of like at peace can be created and in some way i would argue that could be better than what the alternative is so uh harry potter-esque room of requirement yeah okay yes yes i'm gonna pretend like i know what that is yes um yeah i so let's take that to 11 right and talk about overpopulation which is obviously a a concern that is rapidly growing um as humankind continues to expand its population if you can take the the virtual world and create pretty much a second world in that you could just do like where we were like i had mentioned in that in that anime and just have people live their life in that world instead of in this world um, as long as we can find a way to make it so that it's, it's still, um, like people still experience life in a, in a meaningful way that they would want to, uh, be in that world versus this world, which I think a lot of people would want that, want that escapism. 
in, in a weird way, you could actually, in, in, some people are going to find this extremely perverse. So I'll, I'll put that in front. But you could actually structure a virtual world in a way which is more conducive to human happiness than the real world would be. Mm-hmm. And like an abstract example of this is video games. A lot of people who maybe aren't super motivated will play video games and they get a big joy out of video games. And also people who are productive will play video games too. So I'm not saying unproductive people play video games. That's not my point. My point is that video games are so effective at what they do because they take natural human, say, drives and characteristics and they kind of gamify them. They make them super obvious and achievable. And you could actually have a virtual reality system where people do certain things which are say gamified but in a well-structured system where you can get people to do things they maybe wouldn't do do normally that can be super productive uh like for instance you could have a whole sort of virtual reality that's kind of done to like work or just figuring out problems there's lots of like creative endeavors you could do to structure the person's world in a way that helps them be productive and kind of find that meaning and again, gamify it, but gamify it in a way which is more natural. No, I think, uh, yes, you could. Now, I think that it you could do that without having to go the drastic route of like creating a whole nother world with, um, like, say, Google Glass or, or something along those lines um, that takes and can could gamify the world in that way. So, Let's say like working out, right? A lot of people find it very difficult to get the motivation to work out. You could gamify that by having you be able to to get level ups and and things like that by doing having streaks, um, unlocking achievements, uh, and like literally seeing your power levels grow. Uh, and you could do that in a really real world way by uh having you know taking the number of whatever you can curl or whatever you can bench and turning that into like a power level Mm -hmm. and i think that that is a a really low impact way to gamify to to improve the world without having to necessarily uh put yourself into a completely different reality Mm -hmm. see i think the challenge though to improving the world in that sort of sense is that gamification requires tracking and tracking is the toughest thing about implementing those kind of systems Mm -hmm. so like i've tried to implement some of those systems in my own life for like self-improvement or kind of staying on track Mm -hmm. and they work for certain but the problem i always have is not doing the thing but tracking the thing and if i don't track the thing then i start getting off track Mm -hmm. because like i had this one app i was using where it's kind of like you gain levels and you kind of gain levels in these different areas kind of like skyrim and it was really great in that sort of sense but then it's like i just start forgetting to track it because i'd be busy doing something else or i just didn't care at the moment and then the 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 means to that end is not there but if you have like a system where that sort of structure is enforced you can kind of get that tracking naturally and you can also get the immediate feedback because i think kind of like we're both agreeing here, the immediate feedback of like, say that status, that level or where you are is part of what the, the driver factor is in those sort of motivational fact, like motivational systems. No, absolutely. And that's where, you know, like a, like an Apple watch paired with, you know, a, a Google glass type thing where, um, one can monitor your like physical body and one can monitor like the outside world and they communicate with each other. So, 
you know, you set the weights to whatever Google Glass reads it, says, you know, this is what it's set to. And then you can physically have your using the watch, your body do the thing. And then it automatically tracks everything. If there's an automation to it where you don't have to be manually like sitting down at the end of the day into a spreadsheet and typing in numbers of this is what I did today. Uh, I think that that would pretty much re completely eliminate uh, the, the concern there of, you know, having to keep track of this type of thing. Let it do it automatically. Uh, and then you can have that work for pretty much anything in your life. You could, um, you know, have just general goals of here are the things that that I want to be improving on here, are the the stat blocks that I want to be improving. And here's how we're going to going to be able to do it. And mm -hmm. I think in a way that is kind of virtual reality. What's the what's the word for that when you have a, a augmented reality? That's what I'm thinking of. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And meaning it's not it's not like a separate sort of uh, world, but rather you layer over these virtual mm -hmm. aspects onto the current reality. Yes, adding a virtual aspect to the current reality. Yes, as a, as like an overlay. Yep. Yeah, and there's some instances of that with uh, like games. I think I've seen. Uh, it's not so much a thing now because the Google Glass kind of project got cut short because of mm -hmm. uh, privacy concerns. Mm -hmm. But it's like there was one I saw where it's like you would have these uh, Mario blocks kind of come out and you would like have to jump on them and stuff. And it's kind of like a fun way to exercise or you know play Mario yourself personally. And that, that's kind of cool. So that, that's an augmented reality sort of thing. Uh, you'd also have things where m maybe... Like, for instance, with Google, is it called Google Glass? Google Google Lens. They have, like, this app where you can kind of, like, point your phone at something and it'll recognize what it is. Mm -hmm. So you can point it at, like, a title or, like, a, uh, a movie cover or something. So you can have a sort of similar interface where you look at, like, a, you know, you're wondering what this movie is or what some sort of fruit is. Look at it. And eventually it'll kind of, like, overlay and kind of say mango or uh, uh the house of dead or something like that mm -hmm. and it can identify it for you which that's a kind of generic kind of sci-fi sort of thing you'll see in movies but still that thing would be super interesting yeah i know back in college uh nick stewart was actually working on something like that by utilizing google images uh and taking you know if you have if you have a picture of a thing and then you can like image search based on that picture um to try and come up like do a do a google search but using an image pretty mm -hmm. much um which was super interesting and i was trying to trying to help with that but that was like super advanced stuff that neither of us were ever able to to fully get functioning um but that i agree i think that's a genius and definitely something that down the line will be uh will be happening uh, i think you can already google image search i think that's a thing now mm -hmm. um so that's, yeah, that's definitely really cool to, if they're, when they're able to implement that into like being able to just look at a thing and be like, now I know exactly what that thing is, even though other, like your brain doesn't know what that is. So Pretty that's much adding Google into your brain. That's already there to a decent extent. Uh, so they've been doing a lot of neural network systems with that. And a lot of times they're more like say specific systems. So you can take, say take a picture or a video of a cat and it can identify this is a cat or this is not a cat uh you can get them trained so that they can identify what kind of cat it is uh and uh, there's a big one for cars so if they look at cars and it can 
say, identify this is a Nissan Altima or this is a Chevy Malibu. And it, it can kind of get those things identified based off the picture of it. So those things already exist in a large way. And they're actually using them for, like, say, traffic cameras a lot of times. Because mm. you can look at, you can take a video feed. That video feed can track each camera or each car, how many cars are there. Uh, what their speed is, you know, and uh, also get their license plate, the car models and everything. So mm-hmm. if you have like some sort of uh, police officer some distance up, you can actually communicate that just instantaneously to the police officer. Now, whether that's good or bad, that's not for me to judge here. But that's bad. It, <laughs> it, 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 it is a, a, a sort of thing. Also, just real quick. Uh, so mm-hmm. Travis and chat says, I play video games all the time, pretty much. Almost never watch TV. GTA is my virtual reality. Well... Uh, that kind of is a lot of people, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like uh, video games, is kind of like a an escape. But it's also like a virtual reality where you can do things that you wouldn't normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christopher Ball says, "Hey, with two eyes. Hey, Christopher Ball, you are amazing. Super fan, Christopher Ball. Welcome." And to, to Travis's point, you know, that's that's another thing that I, I kind of wanna wanna touch on. That's really interesting. Like, let's take GTA, for example, right? Like, in GTA, you can just go around with a shotgun and just blow people away on the street. And is that something you would do in real life? But So, like, I think that that's the case for, like, 99% of people is, like, they will do things in games that they wouldn't do in real life. Is that them acting out things that they would want to do in real life? Or is that just like utilizing the mechanics of the game the way that it was intended to be used um like what is what's super interesting to me is a complete change of like somebody's uh inner right and wrong just because they're in a virtual space how do like people get on the internet and they turn into trolls like they when they're when they're anonymous or when there's no repercussions what what is it about human nature that like will drive people to to do that well i think th- there is number one the co- the context that it is a game and mm-hmm. these things aren't real like if if you're super like in depth with your knowledge of how these things work they're just like little pieces of code and uh you could say we're pieces of code too but we're super complex pieces of code you know that are going through a huge brain but like with a enemy in gta it's really just like a, a like a small class with a couple of different properties like health uh likelihood to fight back you know uh, bullet strength and all these different things so like a small little page of like those different attributes and behaviors and people kind of realize this thing's not real if i kill it i don't have to feel bad because it's not even like killing a worm like there's nothing that is actually there it's just it's the same thing as killing a process. Like if you like exit out of uh, Internet Explorer or Chrome, it's the same thing. I as- cry every time, <laughs> mainly because Internet Explorer didn't fucking load what I wanted it to. <laughs> but if you exit one of those processes, it's not like okay, unless you're meter, it's not like you actually cry or feel bad about killing that process. Same as like killing like a, a virtual, uh, I don't know, enemy. It, it's kind of the same sort of idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, if we started getting more and more, say, fully structured AI, where these things maybe are approaching some sort of level of consciousness, maybe not fully conscious, maybe they're on the level of like an insect, or maybe they're on the level of like, a, I don't know, a, a cow, 
right? So, so, so that it starts getting more questionable. I think people would tend to have a greater um, barrier to act in those sorts of ways. Uh, I do think that part of it is kind of like you're saying, like a doing something they can do they can't do in reality, you know, in this virtual world. But at the same time, I I, I don't know. I, I I think it's just the virtual world kind of opens them to do that, and it's it's I'm not gonna say rewarded, but it kind of kind of is. But uh, this this is just one point I want to make. I don't think most people who like myself when they play Skyrim or GTA go driving down the road and start like mowing over lots of pedestrians or killing the whole cities. I don't think those people often think about doing that in real life. At least I don't. Like I don't fantasize in real life going running over lots of pedestrians or killing whole towns. Like that would be a very scary thought to me. But in GTA and these other games, maybe it's because I realize it's not real. But it's, it's a whole kind of different ballgame. It's a different way of thinking. Mm. I don't know if you relate to that or what's, what's your opinion? Okay, actually, first, do you do that in video games? Do you like kill whole towns? Do you start mowing people down by your car? Um, not really. Um, I don't really play GTA because I feel like the majority of what like GTA is built to do is that is to just have this open world where you can like kill people and run around like that's the whole entire point of it is to steal and kill um so that's that's super interesting uh, i it it makes me think about like the there's a game uh, detroit become human that game's amazing and the whole thing is about like robots be who are sentient and are they equivalent to people and at what point are do does a robot cross from being like an AI, being like a program, to being something that is on the same level as humans as far as sentience goes? And it really pushes that question. And the whole game is is a lot of quick time events and making decisions. That's the whole game. But in doing so, you can take a path of like just destruction and, and killing killing everybody and um, going really one-sided or you can take uh, the other side and trying to save people and things like that um, and it totally depends on like your moral choices and in those games like i always want to explore all of the options so the first time i'll play it genuinely as i as i w would like the the story to unfold and then after that i'll try and go back and play it again and make different choices and i always find it absurdly difficult and sometimes impossible to make choices that i know are going to be like that are morally completely bankrupt like just outright murdering a person for no reason i don't do it and i i want to see the other ending but not to the point that i'm willing to sacrifice that moral obligation of being of like not being a giant shitbag mm -hmm. and that's super interesting that i don't I'm not able to to completely divorce myself from, from, even though it's just a video game. That's actually something that I've heard game devs talk about quite a lot, and it kind of frustrates them because, like for instance, uh, the game devs Larian Studios uh, that develop uh, Baldur's Gate Three, uh, they kind of have like an open world system or whatever, but they have like you can make good actions, bad actions. It's kind of like a D and D sort of stuff, 
right? You can be evil, you can be neutral, you can be like uh, good. And when they did their previous game, the Vader Original Sin 2, when they did playtesting on it, they had an issue because the only thing people tended to do was the good stuff. Like there's very few people that chose neutral and even less that chose bad. Mm-hmm. And so the issue with that is if there was bugs in the bad with the evil sort of uh, side quests or lines, like they weren't easily as caught because no one was playing those. Mm. And then they did the Vin- did uh, Baldur's Gate 3, which is still in beta or, you know, uh, early access. And th- th- they actually put this video out and I watched it and they're like, okay, we're going to release this here, but we really want you guys be evil. Like, we're not kidding. Be evil. We need this data here because we need to make this game better. But the problem is, we know you're all going to choose the good option. Choose a good option on the second or third Let's Play. But like, just, just do evil. And when's that happening? Almost everyone did good. Mm-hmm. So I think your experience is not like that far off from how it actually is. People have a hard mm-hmm. time being bad in games. Unless it's a game like... I think part of the thing with GTA is that the, the, there's not like moral consequences for your action. Like, the cops come after you, but then the cops chasing you is actually kind of fun, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you get kind of, like, saddened or, like, you know, like, oh, this person... It, there's no real consequences for your action. It's just kind of like like, like, like like a thrill, right? Kind of like playing cops and robbers. Mm-hmm. But with these other games, like uh, Baldur's Gate 3, or let's say you take uh, the game you brought up, uh, Detroit Become Human, there's moral consequences to your actions, so like there's more impetus for you to consider what you're doing. Mm. No, definitely. That's, it's, that's all super, super interesting. I don't know. Uh, Travis in chat saying that he would never just randomly go out and kill someone with his car, but it's fun in the reality of GTA. Uh, and he's agreeing that the, the whole aspect of the game GTA is people killing everyone. Um, especially with GTA online. Um, it's just everyone killing everyone. And that's the the whole idea. I know in GTA too, there are like player made maps where you can just do races. You can do, um, I, uh, capture the flag style stuff. There's like a ton of different mods, uh, for that type of thing. So, um, I don't think it's necessary. I just think it's very interesting that there are some games where, it makes sense to do bad things and then other games where it doesn't like if i was playing hitman i don't think i would feel that bad about killing innocents because like that's the whole thing of the game is to just like go around killing people so i wouldn't feel as bad about killing a random person in the pursuit of killing this other person because killing is the point of the game but i i definitely agree that when it comes to having a repercussion a moral like you see the outcome of what you've done um, it becomes way, way harder to, to, to make those bad decisions. And I can't even imagine to what level that would compound if I was in like a virtual reality setting where I feel even more engaged that the more and more engaged I feel and, and responsible for my actions down the road, the more that those feelings of, I don't want to do something bad could compound. Mm-hmm. I kind of got around that a little bit myself with uh, doing a bit of role play with the characters I play. Mm-hmm. So in Baldur's Gate 3, I played Kira. And uh, if you don't know much about Kira, listen to our D&D podcast we had a little bit ago. It's basically the same character, 
But anyway, now there's this part in the game like Kira is very kind of like paranoid and she doesn't like fighting. And if she can like eliminate a cause for threat, she'll do it before that threat has like a chance to like enact itself. So uh, the way I was playing is Kira would usually kind of scout ahead and sneak around. And there was this one part in the game where she kind of snuck in and she noticed this like guy and this other guy were like kind of like super like on edge inside like this building and inside this building there's a whole bunch of like uh i think they're like wine drums but they're all flammable and they were like shaking everything so i kira not knowing what this was about sneak up behind them and then have my main party kind of come in and the main party started talking to them these people were scared because this town was being raided by some uh goblins or something i don't know but anyway they're like you know don't get you know don't get any closer we're gonna blow everything up you know go away just blah 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 now Normally, in my instance, it would be here just to, like, talk to them and kind of, like, reason with them. But uh, since I was playing Kira, what Kira did is, since they seemed too on edge and they were going to burn the whole thing down and kill everybody here, like, all my all my party, uh, she went up and just killed them both, like, with a sneak attack. For me, that wouldn't be something I would do in real life. I would probably just talk to them, right, and try to reason. But since I was role-playing this character, it kind of allowed me to do something I wouldn't normally do. And I don't think most people play games like that, but that's kind of how I've been approaching games. And I wonder if that would go over in virtual reality or if not, because I, I think that might be hard to do in virtual reality, like a real sort of immersive reality. Possibly. It might even end up being easier in virtual reality to to role-play because then you're not physically seeing yourself. You know, you're... Um, it may be easier to to disconnect, mm-hmm. um, to it, or rather, it may be easier to connect with the character that you're playing versus looking at a screen and seeing a little character moving around. You're physically like in that space, and now you can say, "I am this character." Um, it may it may be easier, especially with with some practice of doing it. Uh, that's an interesting way to to do that. I still don't know even if I was like, all right, I'm in the headspace now. I'm an evil person. I want to kill. That's all I care about. If I would even still be able to do some of those some of those choices, I don't know if I if I can disconnect to that degree of making like evil choices that I end up seeing the moral repercussions of. Yeah, I would have a hard time being evil. I would have an easier time being rationally bad though. Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, wait, I don't really know what I'm saying, to be honest. I mean, t- technically, that's a lie because uh, I'm just trying to cut this into a second episode because it's getting too long. And damn, that car is loud. What the hell? Hey, you guys have a great day. We need to talk.